Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, Hello, and beer. And welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 77. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hi, guys. Hi, everyone. Hello, Good. everybody out there in listening land. How's everything going? Any Anything to share, guys? Anything going on so far? Well, actually, I am super excited about this fall weather. Like, yes. it's the middle of yes, August. actually. It's the middle of August in Southern California. And last week, I almost died because it was so hot. But this week, it's I was cold last night. I had to close all the windows this morning. It was chilly. I told Eddie, I got to go stand outside in the sun. And it just felt like fall, which is my favorite um, season. season of all. My favorite thing is to wear shorts, chanclas, and a sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, and that's what today feels like. So for me, I'm really um, enjoying that. Yeah, I went out to step uh, step outside in the sun. It looks bright, but it doesn't burn. So that's right. awesome. Yes. yes. And I just uh-huh. watered my plants. So I'm like, yay, it, it just feels so great out here. Like, I want to be out there having a beer or something. I yeah. know. Eddie and I are trying to focus on getting our backyard jungle under control because I told him yesterday, because it was a little bit like this yesterday as well, I told him I would love to have – a nice little lounging chair in the back with like a little canopy or something and just sit there and enjoy this weather and read a book or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, if I went back there, I would, I think the, the vines that are growing would like try to asphyxiate me or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have a lounging area, but right now it's full of spiders. So I got to find a way because I have a little swing that I usually read under. I got to find a way to like um, not have all these bugs and spiders and stuff. So um, I have to find out a way to do that so I can actually sit on the chair and not worry about getting bit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's nice. Uh, So what are we drinking today, Jen? What are you drinking? Water. I love it. Water's the best. I'm being sad and drinking water. (laughs) No, I am also drinking water. <laughs> I, I have a bottle of water right here. Yes, I, I love <laughs> to hydrate. It's so amazing. What, what, uh, what are you drinking, Kristen? So I have a beer that was gifted to me from oh. you, Sarah. And what was the occasion? Was it my birthday or something? I don't remember. Uh, no, actually, you guys were having a really tough time with, uh, oh. you know, uh, how the shop was vandalized yeah, yeah, and yeah. you had to close <clears throat> down. There were so many things going on with you guys. And I'm like, they really need a beer time, like at least an hour <laughs> to just drink and just relax. That's right. Well, this little guy was hidden in the back that I didn't realize it was there. And Eddie kept saying, no, you have a beer in there. But every time I would look, I didn't see it. So anyway, (laughs) this is called All Together. And it is a beer that was a collaboration worldwide by worldwide breweries that um, came together to brew to support hospitality professionals. And so this is a beer that's been out since the pandemic started. And um, it's, uh, we are all in this together. Um, it says hosted by Half Brewing, and this one was brewed and canned 
by Untitled Art in Wanakee, Wisconsin. So, and then this is the art that is on the can. And then Sarah, awesome. you said that these cans, um, the ones that come out from different breweries have different art on them? Yes, they all have different art on them. And I, I actually, before reading the can, I actually thought that it was one brewery coming out with different can art that was called All Together. But wow. reading further, I saw that it was different breweries and I didn't know it was worldwide. So that's really cool. Like, yeah. I, I didn't remember it was worldwide. I, for some reason, I thought it was nationwide. But that's really amazing. And I actually posted one of the cans on our Instagram and we got uh, feedback saying, thank you for supporting us and oh, stuff cool. like that. So that was really cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, so this is an IPA and it's brewed with Mosaic, Citra, Simcoe, and Cashmere hops. And it is a mere 6.5. That's a big IPA. <laughs> <laughs> we like baby IPAs full of flavor. <laughs> well, I'm drinking, it's called BPLB and that's Black People Love Beer or it could be Brown People Love Beer. <laughs> and this is, yeah, this is actually um, the third version of it. It's a hazy IPA, and it's a it's from a black-owned craft beer brand. Um, our uh, brew pub is opening in 2020 in Inglewood, California. So they're oh, from Inglewood. Nice. Yeah, they're called Crown and Hops, and Crown and Hops is a craft beer business founded <laughs> in the United States, with a complement to craft the crafting world class. Um, to crafting world-class beer and dedication to creating spaces for communities of color, creatives, innovators, influencers, and craft beer connoisseurs. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, so they're amazing. Well, too bad they decided to open during a time where all this craziness is happening for breweries, but um, I definitely want to check it out when they're open. I Absolutely. Just, I just opened it and it, it flung onto my computer. <laughs> <laughs> and this is their, their logo. It's really awesome. Crown and hops. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I've been wanting to get the version one and two of this, but you know, by the time I get over to when they're selling it at the, on, on site, it just, I, I, you know, I just get lazy, but this actually, I actually bought at a uh, Torrance craft beer seller. And the cool thing is that they posted a picture that they got this shipment in on Facebook and I was like, or was it Instagram? And I was like, I texted, I didn't text, but I put in the comments, I'll be there on Monday. <laughs> I know, I saw, cause I follow them. I think it was Facebook cause I follow them on Facebook and it always comes up on my thing that you are, um, that you commented. And that's why when I saw that you were gonna go pick it up, I thought to myself, oh, I should go get it too. So we have the same beer, but I didn't make it. We should do that. Maybe yeah. one of these days I can pick up like some cans and then we could all taste the same beer together and do mm -hmm. La Hora de la Cervecita together. But yeah, look at that color. Yeah. That's it's really amazing. All right. And look at my nails from Color Street Nails. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Kristen, for that. <laughs> I'm not even pouring nice. mine. I know someone's going to judge me, but I'm just drinking it out of the can. <laughs> Dude, this is really good. Mm -hmm. It has a, like a slight bitter taste, but it's super crisp. And it smells amazing. There's mm. no no there's no strong bitter aftertaste. It's really refreshing. So I'm I'm really happy I picked this up. And it's this awesome. One, this one actually too doesn't really have a bad um not bad strong 
um, hoppy aftertaste for an IPA, it's actually pretty good. It is very light, but it's really good. Yeah, I really love that part. Um, like I said, I've been trying to get this one for a while, but right now I think they're there's a lot of media focus on supporting black businesses. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I'm really mm -hmm. happy I got this beer when I did and am able yeah. to share it with you guys here on the podcast. Nice. Nice. All right, guys, it's time for Chisme de la Semana. Jen, what do you have for us today? Give us now what I got. What I got is actually real juicy right here. <laughs> and it's actually, we've got like embezzling, we've got firing, we've got like a bunch of shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But uh, it is actually about IDW Comics. And the story was first, uh, was released uh, via, oh God, where was it? On Games Radar. But Bleeding Cool also like added onto it as well. Uh, but uh, Jud Judd Mayers, who was the new publisher uh, uh, at IDW, has officially been fired after being suspended shortly after he was hired on July 22nd. So this dude was hired July 22nd. Yep. Wow. Then he was <laughs> like two or three days later, he was put on administrative leave. And then on August 7th, he was officially fired. Like that wow. is like, that's gotta be the quickest turnaround I've ever seen. And the reason is, is because he embezzled at earth Two comics. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he started his own, like, comic book chain called Blast Off Comics. But then Earth 2 Comics sued them for about uh, over $120,000 in damages. So, and the claims were that he had sold books off the records under his wife's name and kept all that money. Mm -hmm. And that he uh -huh. also stole uh, Earth 2's customer list. So, like, like, shifted them over to his, like, to his services and all that stuff. And wow. so, uh, which we call it, Mayors had been named uh, director of sales uh, and marketing at Humanoids as well. Mm -hmm. So he was like a publisher with IDW. He was director of sales and marketing at Humanoids, but uh, then he was uh, gone from all of those because uh, one of the one of the witnesses against Myers was Chris Powell who works at Diamond Comics Distributor. So while all that was going on, he absolutely refused to work with this dude. So IDW wow. was not getting any of their comics published. Because, Shit. yeah, because they had this dude, Judd Mayers, working for them. And so, I mean, when you only have one distributor, what are you gonna do? Like, and that distributor refuses to work with you? It's just they they had they they let him go. It's like like this is like some real shit. I was like, oh my god! As I was reading the entire thing, I was just all like, damn! The comics industry is like really truly full of drama. It really is. I was just telling because um, Eddie and I were talking about this the other day. I just found out he got fired yesterday, but mm -hmm. um, this whole drama started coming out on a lot of the retailer groups that I'm part of. Uh, and I, Eddie and I know him personally. Um, we're not BFFs or anything, but back in the day, um, Eddie was asked to be part of a pilot TV show where it was all about like um, 
like collecting, like regardless of what it was that, that you were a big fan of something that you hoarded and collected. And on the pilot episode, they did comic books. And so they asked Eddie to go and um, talk about comics. And when we got there, we found out they had invited someone else who was in the comic industry and it was Judd. So Eddie hung out with Judd that whole time and, you know, they talked and he was a super nice guy and he talked about, he was blast off by, um, at that point and talked about his business and, you know, how it was booming and his thing over at Blast Off was really the premier books, the high end uh, collection stuff. Mm -hmm. And so on the TV show, he was just like spewing off all these amazing things that he talked about having in the vault and like all kinds wow. of stuff. But you know, he was a nice guy. But then all these years later, come to find out, he probably took that embezzled money to purchase that stuff to, <laughs> to, that, to be able to go. We're I mean, not even sure. He might have even taken speculation. them. Allegedly. Yeah, all, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. He might have allegedly just taken those books from Earth to Earth. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's so, nuts. Yeah. So, and then he went and he sold his, or he sold Blast Off and he left Blast Off. And I think actually um, another comic store that is in the Valley took it over. Um, but now I don't remember what it, the name of it is, but it's still there. It's just not under the Blast Off name. And um, he that's when he went and he left to work for Humanoids. And he worked for Humanoids for a very short time. And uh, uh, I even remember thinking, oh, we should talk to Judd because, um, you know, there was a time where uh, Humanoid stuff in our shop was very, very popular. It was like, oh, we should talk to him about getting stuff in. And the next thing I know, he was at IDW, and then all this stuff started coming out, and I was like, wow, there, mm -hmm. that is some cheesement, and Jen's exactly right, like, and this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to drama behind the scenes in the comic book industry. Oh, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> I mean, we got, we got, you know, grooming of women, we got, like, just mm -hmm. all sorts of drama, just... Yeah, I don't even want to yeah. say about other uh, drama that I've read, but I mean, we all know <laughs> or witnessed in front of our faces. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Like the kids say, a hundred. Uh, <laughs> look, I'm just saying that at conventions themselves, you can see the drama happening live. Yeah, it's yeah. true. <laughs> it's oh my god, it's and the, the thing is, the comic else. book industry is so small you know it's yeah. uh, we kind of all know each other not me personally but I know some people and so you know we all know what's going on with everybody else like when when they're in our radar like yeah you know it's not um impossible to know one or two people that are a little bit you know not so uh wholesome I guess <laughs> because like That's you said this kind way of putting it yeah i mean you, i mean this guy you know him he was real. uh you met him he was really super nice but then he's doing this on the down low yeah like mm -hmm. that other guy we talked about a few episodes ago um he did what transmetropolitan i mean he's a really great writer but he's fucking oh yeah warren up, you know yeah, like, yeah. it yeah. sucks it really fucking sucks 
Yeah. But Kristen, do you remember that brief point in time where we couldn't get anything humanoids because it was all out of stock? Oh, right. Yeah. Uh huh. How much you want to bet that had to do with it? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Most likely because they were out of stock for a long ass time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember. Damn. So, I mean, when something like that, like, directly affects you, affects, like, uh, humanoids, uh, distribution of comics, they're going to be like, yeah, sorry, dude, we, we got to let you go. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah I mean, but it also, also speaks a lot to the processes of, um, of uh, vetting your people that you are hiring at your at your place of business like what was there any background checks or like how i mean immediately when it was announced that he got promoted immediately i started seeing happenings and goings on and people talking on facebook and so how could the people involved in at idw not have heard or known any of this going on and so yeah, I've been aware. It, it really speaks also to the complaint that a lot of, of people like us retailers kind of at the bottom having complaints of you publishers, you people at the top really um, sometimes don't really know what's going on uh, mm-hmm. in, uh, in the industry as a whole. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, I in find the trenches, it, so to speak. In the trenches. <laughs> so I find it very interesting that they had no idea, or maybe they did, and they were just like, mm, we know, it's not a big deal, whatever. Until it blew up in their face. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, in this day and age of social media and immediate reactions to things, you can't really expect that things are just going to blow over, because they don't. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, Jeff. Yeah. But, it, go ahead. Oh no, so like, but yeah, that's my cheese me. <laughs> that's a good one. That is, it is good. a good one. <laughs> Full of sauce. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, going from there, uh, you mentioned uh, social media. Uh, Zoe Kravitz, um, she is, uh, she's going to be in the new Batman movie. And I don't know if oh, you guys know her. She yeah, is yeah, the, yeah. The, uh, the daughter of uh, Lisa Bonet. And Lenny and Kravitz. Kravitz. And Lenny yeah. Kravitz, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, so she had a salty post on Instagram because the show she was on on Hulu got canceled, which is called High Fidelity. I didn't oh, know it was yeah. canceled. I actually watched the first season. I loved the fuck out of it. I saw the movie with uh, John Cusack. She actually mm-hmm. plays a John Cusack character. Right. And this High Fidelity was based on a book that mm-hmm. was published out in 1995. Uh, so she had mentioned that she's going to miss everybody. Um, she, what was her, she said, um, she actually came out with the, with the post uh, calling out Hulu for lack of diversity in their programming. Mm-hmm. So what happened is uh, um, the star from um, uh, Thor, Love and Thun, Love and, Love and, Love and Thunder. Oh. Okay, so she said, love and heart, you... Let, let, let's see. I'm sorry. I can't remember what she... Oh, she, she said... Um, Tessa Thompson said, I will miss y'all so much. And then Kravitz responded, it's cool. At least Hulu has a ton of other shows starring women of color. 
we can watch oh wait <laughs> and oh, that, yeah. wow yeah so we yeah. we found out that uh she posted the thing that she was uh, her show got canceled and stuff and then and then uh tessa thompson responded oh, i'm gonna miss you guys and then she was like there's no other freaking right programming mm -hmm. of color which is absolutely right i mean i was actually looking through my list and i was like damn she's absolutely right i mean uh mm -hmm. aside from some of the hulu programming that ties in with hbo there really isn't mm -hmm. yeah and that's kind of sad and her show was amazing she had a um another uh fem black female that was playing the part uh that was played by uh jack black and she fucking slayed it, man. I love that show. I, I'm so I know that the movie has a kind of a cult following, but I've oh, yeah. never seen it. Oh, it's, it's really good. Although, uh, I gotta say the villain of the movie for me is, you know, the John Cusack character. He was oh, really? just an a-hole to yeah. me, uh, <laughs> but seeing it in a wider span and more, uh, more of a meat, um, in the show because you have it's a show so it's not a movie you don't have to tell right. the story in you know two hours you could tell it you know in the span of our episodes you know forever and um i just saw that it was com a completely different take for me as how i felt uh, the main character oh, I mean, okay. she does have flaws but it was just really amazing and i really loved it and i'm really sad to see it go uh well that's too bad but now it makes me want to go watch it <laughs> and you should i mean because it's just a really great show and like i said um the the characters that uh support the main story like from the main character are really just really great actors and they, they do a really fantastic job and i i was a humongous fan of the movie but seeing the show i was a little like apprehensive but once i, I watched it once I watched it, I was like, oh my God, this is just on another level. Like, it was amazing. Uh, yeah, I heard that from people that said that they were kind of apprehensive to watch it at first because they were such fans of the movie. And they're like, why they got to ruin my childhood? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but that they ended up really, really enjoying it. And that, yes, that she was very um, good in her role. Yeah, really amazing. And she was the main character. So in a woman of color as a main character, and she fucking hit it out of the ballpark. And for them to cancel it just yeah. really is fucked up. And, and she's right. There is very little uh, main character, woman of color carrying a series. Yeah. So, um, so she's absolutely right in her post on Instagram. Yeah. All right, guys, it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? Well, today we have a young adult book called Claudia and Rex. And it is um, a book that is published by um, the Roar imprint of, uh, wait, what are they called? Lionforge. 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 There you go. Yeah. I'm like, I know it has to do with, with roaring. Um, <laughs> Roar. <laughs> Uh, and Lion Forge's Roar, which is their, um, their yeah. young adult, all ages imprint, has um, partnered with Buño, which is a small publishing company founded by um, one of the creators of this book, uh, along with um, Storm Smith. But this book description says, after losing their dad, 12-year-old Claudia and her kid sister Rex are taken on a road trip by their mother in the hopes of rebuilding their lives. <clears throat> uh, 
When their car is blasted off the road by a strange bolt from the sky, they find themselves imbued with strange abilities, caught in a battle between supernatural beings. They'll have to learn to rely on each other if they are to escape danger and restore balance to the universe. And before we move on, I think it's um, uh, important to say that um, Ulysses Farinas, who um, is one of the founders of Buño, is one of the creators here. He's uh, one of the writers and he's Cuban-American. And then um, uh, Daniel Irazari, who um, is an artist on the book, he is actually Puerto Rican. Yes, and there's Eric Ferreitas. He's Ferreitas, also an, yeah. yeah, he's also an author in the book. Uh -huh. I, think, I think both him and Ulises were part of writing the story. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So, yes. Yeah, so, um, this is a book that um, I'd seen laying around the shop for a while and really never had um, the opportunity to read it. And the cover just really was like whatever to me. I I don't really? know. It just, yeah. yeah it, it wasn't like it didn't call me in because you know what? This isn't my thing. Like, when I look at yeah. it, I'm like, oh, that's Jen completely right here. Like, yep, she's that is be like, it. yes. It's exactly my <laughs> fucking jam. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> but yes, I was I was actually very excited to read it. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. It was uh, super high on fantasy and a little bit of like sci-fi and stuff. Um, uh, but what what really captured me was the designs of like the supernatural beings or like gods uh is uh -huh. what they call them uh and had just how very how it was very steeped in la in latinx culture and like central american like uh artistry like the those pictograms and stuff like that that's what a lot of the designs had and i'm just all like this is absolutely super cool and i i, I really enjoyed it i enjoyed the story and stuff like that um and I actually, I, while I was reading it, I kind of got a, like, because uh, there's a battle going on between the Seraphim and kind of, like, the gods of old. Uh -huh. It's basically what, so there was just, like, a little bit of just, like, that Catholicism eating away at the old, uh, the old beliefs kind of thing going on right there and how they were being yeah. destroyed. And I just, I, I am absolutely all fucking about that. So I really <laughs> enjoyed this book. Um, I, it's, I'm glad that you brought that specific point up because, um, that's kind of where it took my mind to when I was reading that, um, because we live here in the United States where, um, everything is Christian based and yes. everything is like, no, you know, if you're, if you're not Christian, then that is, um, like below me or whatever um it's, and it's weird it's yeah weird. it's weird and yeah and oh everybody who comes here is forced to assimilate not assimilate but to accept it i mean um you know we have all About the six holidays half yeah and, christmas you know, and stuff like that yeah mm -hmm. and, and you know we have some of the jewish holidays but only in special circumstances usually like you you can get them off if you ask but not everybody gets them off the way everybody gets christian holidays off mm -hmm. and so it kind of made me think about that the way that christianity and christians christians in and of themselves sometimes try to quote unquote 
squash or kill other religions because they don't want to accept that they're out there. I mean, when you really look at world religions, there are so many freaking religions out there that Christianity is just a freaking dot, a little blip on the screen. Mm -hmm. And because we are so ethnocentric here in America, it's like they don't want to see any of that. And it's just Christianity is the only thing. And even mm -hmm. growing up, I got judged for being Catholic because Catholics <laughs> believe in more than just, they believe in saints, which is like, kind of like a, a, a like a weird rich crafty thing to some christian religions and um you know they believe in praying to other to the saints and not just to jesus or god and so i remember uh growing up and even you know my my friends um and their parents and they'd be like come to come to our church youth group and trying to like get me to not be like to not be going to Catholic school, Catholic, uh, what do you call it? Um, catechism and going uh -huh. to their church youth group. But, um, but anyway, so that's what it made me think of. And I was like, that's kind of like a very deep, like uh, portrayal of like what still goes on to this day. Uh-huh. Definitely. And uh, there's something to be said for religious syncretism where it's like, uh, where it, I could kind of see that happening in the book where it's just, uh, a melding of religions uh, instead yes. of like uh, instead of just like being one or the other like uh, the closest example that I can think of is uh, my grandparents in Guatemala they they believe in Christianity but they also believe in the old in the old Maya gods and mm -hmm. so it's just and they they it's it's fused together like they're uh, they're like they're like yeah god jesus exists and stuff like that but so do these other gods and we still respect them kind i of mean mm -hmm. not not something that i remember but um there was evidence of it all throughout my grandmother's house and my mom used to tell me about it from when she was a kid but my grandmother mm -hmm. was religious af and she had the rosary and her little prayer books and you know uh, all mm -hmm. that and um, you know, she, she would pray to her saint with St. Anthony. She would pray to him every night and, you know, do all that. But also in the basement, she had little voodoo dolls from the Santeria shit she used to do. <laughs> she <Yeah>. was younger. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. I mean, it's just, um, it, it, uh, it's, it's kind of the norm, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, uh, you know, I did all the sacraments and stuff growing up, but then, uh, every now and then I had a lipia with the egg uh-huh uh-huh and the las hojas de pirud you know like that's uh -huh. just something that we grew up with and i mean even uh i i found little voodoo dolls with some pictures of people inside them with all these pins i mean and then these little prayer things in like mm. um uh newspaper or paper it's mm -hmm. just like a yeah. little bit creepy but you know that's something that we just kind of grew up with yeah it's something you just like kind of like oh yeah that's it happens normal yeah there's probably there's probably some place in this house with like a weird like voodoo doll or something or some kind of candle <laughs> with some or like or some kind altar. of candles or like some altar somewhere it's just like you have maybe you haven't seen it yet but you probably will or maybe there's <laughs> a root growing under your bed i mean i don't know <laughs> there's, al there's always something yeah there's always something yeah but but I, I actually, I, I did really enjoy that about this book. Uh, and actually, as I was reading it, uh, I was thinking about a 
Kickstarter that is uh, called Don't Touch That, an anthology of parenthood and science fiction and fantasy. And I was just like, oh yeah, that fits in here too because it is, um, it is a, in the book, not to be a huge spoiler, but the mom gets some like super dope ass fucking powers mm-hmm. that are like, that are like powerful. And, but she has to like kind of get in control of them and kind of, uh, and the way she does that is that she remembers that her children exist. All right, don't, don't ask me too many questions, but she forgets her children <laughs> exist. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but she's like kind of caught in a loop uh, where she's remembering things from her past and she just wants to be there. But then she ha- then she remembers like, oh no, like I have to break free from this place that I really like because mm-hmm. I still have my responsibility to my children. This is why I'm not a parent, because I'd be like, (laughs) 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 your girl, your girl's good in here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's bring it back to the book. I mean, the art is really pretty amazing. Um, Oh yeah, I love the colors. The colors are really like um, I would have to say like kind of sunset colors. Yes. Throughout the Uh book. Yeah. Um, And that's really awesome. we do get introduced to a lot of old uh, gods in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, uh, I know this is for young adults, but I don't know many of these gods. I recognize a few, but yeah. I think that I would have benefited a little bit more from like a little narrative or even like we did with um, uh, Elisa Los Mutantes is where they put a little like a little kind of rectangle explaining like this god their yeah. powers and maybe they were they they were a god in the mesopotamian era or whatever yes. like i really would have benefited from that yeah. because in this age of google while you're reading it you can definitely get on your phone and google the god and know a little bit more about them and that becomes a learning yeah comic book I, and well, i yeah. think that it's very easy for people to it's a comic book to for people to see these characters and just assume that they're fiction Exactly. And yeah. they're not. I mean, a lot of, like I no, said. Some of these are, are based in, like, actual, like, yeah. like actual uh, okay, religious. Please, please tell me the blob with the human skeleton inside is an actual deity somewhere. Okay. No. Okay. Maybe. Who knows? And I mean, and also, like, when I read Allah, I was like, is that the description of Allah, like, with the snake around? Oh, yeah, I, I read that too. Yeah, and I'm I like, I'm, you know, like I would have really um, welcomed a little bit more of a, a, a introduction to the gods in that sense, like as a narrator. I think that mm. would have been awesome. Um, and you guys know that I really dislike these uh, preteen or teenage uh, characters that are just so rude. <laughs> So, um, so when she was talking back to her mom that way, and when she was exposed, and I'm talking about Claudia, yeah, when she mm-hmm. was, she she became she became aware of the gods, um, mm-hmm. and they were asking for her help. She completely was like really like just rude, like, oh, if I don't follow what my mom tells me to do, then I'm not gonna as hell do what you want me to do. Like I don't even know you. Like it just. <laughs> I don't it's know, that's very teenager to me. <laughs> Maybe I haven't been around teenagers so long, but it was just a kind of a turnoff for me. But 
in that same note, I really loved Rex. Rex was re really compassionate, uh -huh. you know, really understanding. She also was in pain because her dad died, but she wasn't as as rude and as, you know, just un, just God, how could I say it? Just rude, basically, Claudia. Well, I I have worked with teenagers, and yes, they can definitely be that way. Um, but I really felt like the the writers got it a little bit wrong because that generally doesn't bother me um, because I do have so much experience working with teens. I'm like, oh, they're just being a teenager. But I was telling Sarah earlier that maybe it has something to do with the fact that they were male writers writing a teenage girl. Yeah. Um, because it, something, it, something just was a, a little bit off to me and it was more annoying than like mm -hmm. for me to have empathy for her because she was grieving and going through some stuff. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but, but I got, okay, just before you go on, but I gotta say that this is the first issue and the, the way it ended ties into that attitude she had, well, but we don't see issues, it. So this is the first trade. Yeah, the, there's this only is the three first... issues in this trade. Yeah. Okay, so after the end, at the end of this trade, we find out why she's having those, those mood swings. Yes. Well, I don't but... remember having mood swings when I was a kid. I had them when I was older, related to uh, menstruation. Don't... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> But um, she's a 13 year old kid who gets her period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, so she talks about her tummy hurting and stuff like that. And there's a boy involved, which um, was he. Okay, this is my thing. I thought that the idea of this book was amazing. Um, I love the idea that they're Afro Latinos, even though the only indication we get of that is the way they're drawn and the word poppy thrown in there a couple of times. Mm -hmm. But um, I felt like as a whole, everything was rushed and like mm -hmm. there were elements of stories that just felt crammed in just so that they could get the, the, yeah. the info in. And it was very jarring to me and I wanted to enjoy it and I wanted to understand it. And it just felt, it felt like, these people, these writers, these creators had this great idea and they wanted to maybe make it longer, but they're like, nope, you only got three issues, go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it does. It feels very cramped. There's a lot of information in it. Yeah. Uh, and there's definitely some stuff that I would, that I would like for them to have expanded upon, but when you only got three issues, yeah. this is, this is uh, as much as you can do. I mean, the description of them losing the dad is on the back of the book. But when I actually read it, it kind of wasn't something that I was very aware of until further on. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I read that that was what was happening here. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, um, I would love to see more explanation of what's going on with and also the the god world and the seraph whatever's the seraphine <laughs> seraphine and everything mm -hmm. like i i wanted to get more like explanation and information about that too like 
basically they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, the family, and when all this yeah. other stuff was going on. Um, but it, it was just very um, rushed to me. Uh, yeah, I would have liked storyline development. I would have liked to know a little bit more about uh, detail information about the high waveform. Um, I, oh yeah, the, I, I, the world got, that the gods live in. Uh, uh, no, the the waveform is the where the gods would die in. Where they would die oh, too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Instead of in. yeah, instead of existing as individual gods, they would be part of the high waveform where they would all become one and mm -hmm. die as individuals. Um, I would have liked to have known a little bit more of that. Um, just maybe like in a narration, because we hardly had a narration. Uh, I don't think we even had a narration uh, bubble. You know how like we have the text that is a narration behind the actual dialogue? We didn't have any of that, which could have uh, helped. I really love when they went back in time where the mom was kind of yeah. stuck in her memories. I really love that because that was really endearing and you got to see the relationship between yes. the family members and the dad and the mom. And, and I, actually, I love that. That part yeah. of the book was very emotive for me watching mm -hmm. the girls stuck on the outside of that world, but being able to see their mother be with their father and just the the way that it was drawn and they're on their knees with their hands just up up, up against the bubble was just like so mm -hmm. emotional like, emotional yeah. yeah that one that was like really well done that was yeah, probably that was my favorite excellent. part yes yeah. that was definitely my favorite part it was excellently executed with tears in their eyes and it was just yeah. like you totally felt it yeah. like i i was like oh my god is she even gonna come back from that yeah, because yeah. i mean uh, that those are one of her fondest special memories so for her to relive them i mean i i would i i would definitely be like weak enough to just stay there you know yeah. even though the kid <laughs> but um and it was just so emotional and powerful for me like that was amazing mm -hmm. that was really amazing um i actually love the fact that rex the youngest daughter or youngest sister um, she can transform herself into many extinct yeah. animals and yeah. just her way of she, as soon as it happened she wasn't like freaked out about it like she was mm -hmm. like this is like what I love I love stu uh, studying about extinct animals and she just like gave into that power and I loved that you know right. she was just mm -hmm. so willing to to help out you know and adaptable and be, adaptable and be there for her mom as well her mom was kind of falling apart at one point like i was mm -hmm. like she's yeah. like i have to save you guys like she's like no mom i can help you know it's just it was just in in those points it was really just beautiful mm -hmm. it was beautiful the end i really loved the end of these three issues in this first trade paperback i i super loved i was a little bit like like finally Claudia rises up to the occasion and I'm like, oh my God, what's gonna happen? Like I was like, oh my God, what's gonna happen? And then when it happened, I was like, oh my God, that's freaking brilliant. I love that ending of that specific uh, issue, issue three. I don't wanna say anything more about it, but it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do feel like there was, definitely some redemptive qualities of how the book ended as opposed to how how angsty and teenagery she was in the, in the beginning yes um but yeah. i mean i think that 
as angsty and teenagery as I was, I never spoke to my parents that way. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and, and, and I feel oh, no, like same. at some point, they're the cultural, like, it, I, I, I feel like we're seeing um, a case of Miles Morales here where we're told that they're a certain way, but the way that the characters are written and uh, the way that they act and stuff does not necessarily portray the the cultural and ethnicity that uh, mm-hmm. that they're supposed to be. So, I, I that was just that's just my perception of, of no. How I, I, I think that's acting. valid. Yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would have gotten like you know. Yeah, I didn't want to say it, but yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, seriously, like Latino. I mean, Latino moms are known to um, have liberal use of the chancla. Uh, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. the, exactly the reason why that um, I would never have spoken to my mom that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Uh, and and um, just just in the first issue of them riding in the car, and just that the conversation they had from packing the car to being in the car and the way yes. she spoke to her mom. Yeah. Uh, and then I. At that point, I did not know that they were Latinas uh-huh. until they spoke about her dad, and then they called him Papi. And I was like, if they were not Latinos, they would say Daddy or Pop. But yeah. the fact that said yeah. Papi, mm-hmm. yeah, like how I grew up calling my dad Papi, um, I knew that they were Latinx, but it was it didn't come out in the way she handled uh, her daughters um attitude yeah and and maybe maybe it uh is not okay to show like physical discipline to your kid but there's definitely a way to handle that yeah uh, without being difficult uh without being physical as a latinx parent because my mom just gave me the stare and oh my god (laughs) yeah it's all over in that car that mother drove way too long past the point where my mother would have already pulled that car over. <laughs> same, same. Um, but yeah. yes, uh, I agree. And you know, um, there is definitely, and this is why I was saying that maybe it was a little bit of lack of, of um, understanding and or experience of being a teenage girl, but especially a teenage Latina and that relationship with their mother. Um, Mm -hmm. because those relationships are very, very unique and Mm -hmm. within our culture, within our just, um, experiences with our mothers and their experiences with their mothers and how that all gets translated down Mm -hmm. into their relationships with us. One messy traumatic experience. Yes. (laughs) And so, um, it's, it's very... Um, that can be a comic book all in of itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot to unpack within Latina relationships, mothers and daughters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, that didn't come across for me in this comic. No. I mean, but, yeah. but I appreciate it. And in yes. their defense, that's not what this comic book was about. But I would have liked yeah. a little bit of sense of realism there. 
it, it goes in with the with what we have talked about about Latinidad and while they themselves are uh, Latinx it just goes to show that a Latinidad is multifaceted and varied and it can yeah. and it includes things like uh, the uh, uh, um, uh, relationship with your mother or relationship with your father siblings interactions not it isn't just food or is it it isn't just lip service you have to put in uh, that effort uh, yeah. and then um, uh, and I don't think it would have been hard to ask a woman like, "Hey, what's uh, what was your relationship with your mom?" And you would have got, you would have needed a drink. First of all, you would need to. First of all, you would need to treat them to a drink. Uh, yes. <laughs> Let, let's open um, that box, guys. <laughs> so, so it's uh, it's again, it's that uh, like you said, Kristen, earlier, it's the whole Miles Morales thing that's happening about like. They say they say that this is what they are, but there's barely any mention of it. There's a there's a hardly uh, there's hardly a sense of Latinidad yeah. in it. I, I we got it a little bit. They, we can tell that they are Afro Latin uh, Afro Latina because of how they are drawn, which is yes, above yeah. and beyond what some people have done. Right. And it and they uh, but there could have there they could they could have done more. I think it would have added more depth to the story. Yeah, uh, and um, uh, more. Uh, it is a it is a fantasy book, but it would have made it seem more realistic, in a sense, or at mm-hmm. least more more personable, um, on a, on an personable, individual yes. level. Yes. yes. We'll yeah, that's the idea. More personable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, did we want to add anything else? I think I said everything I needed to say about this book. Did you guys want to add anything else? Yep, I think I'm good. No, I'm Great. Good. I think we're ready to review it. Excellent. So, what do you give it, Jen? Uh, I'm gonna give it dos conchas uh, because it was a. I wish there was more to it. I wish instead of three issues, we may got maybe like five or six that mm-hmm. could have easily made it into a graphic novel. But I do love the art. I do love the design. I do love uh, the colors for it and uh, the the which we call it. They may not have executed it super well, but they did execute it, and I did really like the ideas that they had forming. Uh, for this or at least what they wanted to do and i really and i really enjoy that because hey at least they did it so uh those contrasts from me yeah what about kristen yeah and um the creators themselves say that claudia and rex was inspired by classic captain marvel tales and religion and myth from around the world which you can obviously see the way that the powers get transferred from one person to another um, and I just think that that those two things right there are such big, enormous things that we mm-hmm. didn't get the benefit of having those ideas um, fleshed out to best um, really tell the story. I think that those are both amazing concepts. Um, I thought the art was awesome. Um, but I wanted more, which I mean, it shows that it, there's potential there. And, um, I, and I, I wanted more because I wanted just more explanation and just more story development. So I also give it to Quanchas and I'm curious to know, I mean, the way that it ended, we could definitely go further. So I'm mm-hmm. curious to know if that is something that is in the works and Bunyo is a publishing company that does have other works out there. Um, so I'd be interested also to maybe read some of the other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'm going to agree with both of you guys. I'm giving it to Conchas. Um, those Conchas, uh, because like Kristen said, I could have, it, like I said before in my review, like I could have benefited from like a little narration on all these gods. I mean, you can't expect me to know who all these gods that you're drawing are or the ones that are like actually trying to survive. So I would have loved to know more about them and actually been able to like get an actual name to Google to learn more as the reader. And um, although that is to say, I super love the ending. I love that uh, climax that it had. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, there is definitely room for more, I think. And yes, I think they felt it felt a little rushed in the character development. But I, I did love the book and I love the art. So those conchas for me. Okay. All right, guys, it's time for On My Radar. Kristen, what is on your radar? So, On My Radar today is not anything comic-related, but it's still kind of, I guess, book-related. But um, most importantly, it is food-related. And that is how it got <laughs> on my radar. <laughs> so, it has come across my radar that the University of Texas San Antonio is reportedly releasing a new collection of downloadable PDF cookbooks featuring Ooh. recipes from its Mexican cookbook archive. It's the largest Mexican cookbook archive in the United States. Um, and this series is titled Recetas Cocinando en los Tiempos del Coronavirus. Coronavirus. <laughs> Coronavirus. <laughs> um, so it is basically the um, librarians of the University of Texas who got together and like, okay, you know, people are staying at home, they're cooking more, they're, you know, trying to self-quarantine or to just, you know, um, shelter in place. And so let's give them something cool to, to, um, to cook while they're at home. So um, this is um, just a way for them to inspire curiosity on Mexican recipes during this time of COVID and basically just giving greater access to these historical recipes. And when I say historical recipes, these recipes date back to 1831. Wow. And yeah. they have... Um, some of them have pictures of the original um, creators. Some of them have just written notes uh, on them, but it's going to be a three course series. Um, and the beginning series, they, they saved the best for first. They started with desserts. So, <laughs> so you, the first volume includes, um, includes uh, desserts and includes things like arroz con leche, churros, citrus ice cream. I never heard of that, but it sounds good. Um, and a Mexican Revolution era cookie that was recorded by a woman in Durango named Petra. And then also a quinceanera cake that was first created in 1950. So those are just some of the things that are gonna be included in this um, first um, series of um, three. So um, they're going to be both in Spanish and English, and mm -hmm. each dish will credit the original author of that recipe. 
some, like I said, including images from the original manuscripts and um, a record of varying Spanish spellings and abbreviations of the time that the recipe was created. So, I mean, these things, I mean, in through history, food is such a constant and it's just so interesting to me, just mm -hmm. all of these recipes that have been saved and documented and stuff throughout the decades, uh, mm -hmm. throughout the centuries. So, um, the next volume will be main courses and then the third and final one will be appetizers and drinks but right now the desserts one is um, available and you can go to the university of texas san antonio and um, we can also include a link to it um, on uh, our site and the website is um, lib.utsa dot edu and then you can find the info from there mm -hmm. that sounds That's amazing. incredible yes yeah. it, like it reminds I would, me of oh, uh -huh. oh, oh sorry go ahead, no, no, go ahead no no go ahead go ahead oh, okay <laughs> uh yeah no it reminds me um uh, on twitter back when like we were like really like deep quarantine and everything uh people started baking a lot and there was actually a uh, a yeast shortage because we yes. so much yeast uh -huh. um, um but people got people that were making bread and stuff like that or who had been got so bored that they actually started looking up old recipes for bread mm -hmm. and they started making those recipes and someone some people made recipes using from stone tablets that had been wow. translated of recipes That's for bread yeah that's amazing that is uh -huh. pretty cool so this is like we were talking about like mesopotamia era like uh recipes that they were yeah. using and stuff like that or like um uh, stuff like that and uh, what a lot of people did was ezekiel bread too, yeah yeah ezekiel bread is some of the oldest bread uh that uh, that we know how to make yeah wow eddie eats ezekiel bread it's like eating freaking cardboard <laughs> where does he get it you can get it at the grocery store. It, oh. At Ralph's, it's in the um, freezer section. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, because well, uh, I believe I believe there's something. It doesn't have something that most other bread has, so do it doesn't. It need, no, it needs to. It needs to be refrigerated if you want it to last. Yeah, um, I know it's spout, um, sprouted grains, but that's all I know. Yeah. And it's supposed to be better for you than like it's. It's not as processed as as other breads. Mm-hmm. That is so cool. Um, I I was uh, talking to Kristen before, and I was like, you know, like I hope they have that uh, recipe for that uh, chile relleno with cream sauce and pomegranate seeds. I've always wanted to learn how to make that. Uh, I've always wanted to learn how to make chile rellenos point blank because I don't I know. know how to make them. <laughs> them. <laughs> I like the I cheese thought, ones. Well, I used to. Um, I, I haven't in a long time and I will not going forward, but I used to buy the Goya um, yeah. uh, chile rellenos because they're super low carb. Um, and when you're trying to eat low carb, sometimes it's hard to find, like you're tired of eating the same old stuff over and over again. And I just happened to find that one day, which makes sense because in the coating is egg. It's not flour or anything. So it's yeah, low carb. It's so now egg. I got to learn how to make my own damn chile relleno because, <laughs> because racism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn it! But you're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. But yeah. um, there are other things that I. I mean, I'm very interested in this because I never learned how to make arroz con leche, so I'm very excited about oh, this. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I cool. know how to make that one. Oh yeah, I know it's easy, but I just never put it 
to I never did it so but but yeah this is this can be an inspiring this could be the the way I actually end up making it well I'll have to work up towards that because the other day I found a YouTube video of, of this woman using the um the little jar of the Doña Rosa mole uh -huh. um and um she did a couple of little things to like make it homemade tasty it looks so good i'm like this is what i'm gonna do because i know mole is like it's crazy it has like 102 different um uh, ingredients and you gotta blend it yeah. and roast it and all this other stuff i'm like nope we're gonna do the jar <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically it made me wonder about I, I I had some fond memories of the mole lady and her I rice know, and mole. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, it, if you actually try to make mole, it basically, you, it's sort of like Thanksgiving. You start prepping a day before yes. and then cook and, and blend everything and, and saute everything the next day. And it just... There was, like, a, there was a time where I was like, I'm going to make mole from scratch. And I looked up the recipes and I was watching like the... Um, cooking channel chefs, none of them Latino, by the way, making mole mm -hmm. on, on the thing. And I was watching them like, and they would say like ingredients that I'd never heard of. I'm like, where the hell am I supposed <laughs> to find that? I'm like, damn, the mole lady yep. really had it <laughs> going yep. on that she was making that stuff in such big quantities. So yes. we're doing the little Doña, whatever her name is, because that's going to be easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? So today I am sharing something that I shared in the past, but this was a long time ago, and I don't even know um, what episode it was, but I remember it being in the original um, studio that we were in, even before we started going to Burbank, and now before the, the ones that we do <laughs> Las Paticas in. So it was a long time ago. Um, but it's something that um, came up on my Facebook the other day. And I was like, oh, um, this is something worth mentioning once again. So today, um, I'm actually going to talk about um, Mari Naomi. She's an Asian cartoonist creator. Um, and she actually um, developed the Cartoonist of Color database. And oh, so yeah, yeah. Um, that's one that we've talked about in the past. And I think we even talked about some of the other ones. Um, she also has a queer cartoonist database and a disabled cartoonist database. So they're created and maintained by Mary Naomi. And she really wanted a way to spotlight marginal, marginalized comic creators. And so um, the databases are um, de designed and developed to be used by booksellers, librarians, academics, editors, book publishers, event organizers, readers, and more. So if you're looking for a creator of color, a queer cartoonist, or a disabled creator, these are places that you can go to, not only to hire them, but to just find out what they, um, what their bodies of work are so that you can support them. And also, most importantly, if you are a marginalized uh, creator, you can upload your information and have it searchable for, um, so that you might um, also um, benefit from um, getting a, a job because people are wanting to, you know, raise up the voices of marginalized creators. So um, basically, um, Mari Naomi's story is that she, um, she was looking for people to 
partner with. And she kept asking around and people kept telling her, well, there's not really a lot of people out there like yeah. that. And she said she heard it so much that she kind of started believing it until finally she was like, wait a second, like I am a creator of color. And she started kind of doing her own research and her own um, asking around of other creators of color. And she was like, damn, there's a lot of us. <laughs> um, yeah. But for some reason, people just don't want to acknowledge us. So um, so she created these databases and the uh, cartoonist of color is basically just cartoonistsofcolor.com. You can go there and from there she has links to her other um, ones as well. But this was all something she just did out of the kindness of her own heart, out of just wanting to be able to um, put a spotlight onto marginalized creators. So it's mm -hmm. something that we've talked about before under Juntos, but I think it's definitely um, worth, worth a revisit. Again. Yes. And um, check it out, um, especially right now um, during a time where some of us, whether we like it or not, may have the extra time to to read and sit around and be introduced to new creators. So why not let it be uh, a creator who um, is part of a marginalized group? So um, cartoonists of color, also queer cartoonists, and also disabled cartoonists databases. So you, they search uh, cartoonists of color? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, excellent. Cartoonistsofcolor.com is the main website. And from there they can search out uh, the Yeah, from there there's some some links to the other ones as well. Oh, excellent. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for bringing that up again. I am so glad to I actually have somebody in mind that I could refer them to submit cool. their information to these uh, this a database. So thank nice. you so much. Now it's time for saludos. Jen, ¿a quién saludamos ahora? Today we are saludando um, Juanet Gil for successfully funding Mañana uh, uh, Anthology, the Latinx comics from the 25th century. So wow! Yes, they, they are on week three and they are now fully funded. So now they're going on to their stretch goals. And they actually and hit they their first like stretch goal. Oh my god, are you serious? And their goal was pretty lofty because they had a really long list of creators that was participating. Mm -hmm. So like, was it like 50 some thousand dollars? I think the goal was $49,000. Oh, okay. And as of right now, they have $56,597 that have been pledged to towards their goal. Wow, yes. that's amazing. Yeah, that's isn't it amazing? 1,246 backers. Yep. And they still have well, 12 days to go. Up. Yeah. It, it's, it's gone up? Yeah, it's uh, just by like two people. That's wow. awesome. Wow, and they still have 12 days? Yes. Yep. I honestly can't remember if I backed it because I know I said I wanted to, so I got to check that out <laughs> later today. I think there was a uh, retailer... Um, uh, with a packet right on the okay yeah maybe that sounds yeah familiar. there there is a retailer packet that's so awesome I'll have to check it out but their Kickstarter is still live it still has 12 more days to go so if you want it you got it and the their first stretch goal which was actually getting it translated into Spanish has been reached so <gasps> it's going to be oh nice that's yeah. wonderful I didn't so, know that was part of the first stretch goal that's awesome mm-hmm 
So it's a, uh, it's, it's amazing and good luck to them. I hope that uh, they can f fully fund for all of their stretch goals. Um, uh, but they're, they're already seven, over $17,000 of their original goal. So it looks to be uh, that it is, it, it might hit all of its other stretch goals. That's so nice. cool. Awesome. That is really awesome. Thanks, Jen. You're welcome. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us? You can find us on Facebook at Comadresy Comics, or no, Comic Comadres. There you go. You can find us on <laughs> Facebook at Comic Comadres and on Instagram at Comadresy Comics. And you can find us on Twitter at Comic Comadres. You can email us directly at comadresycomics at gmail.com or you can find all of our episodes on www.periodnetwork.com. Uh, there's a lot of other wonderful uh, women, women for women uh, based podcasts there. So you check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Also, we are requesting if you guys can uh, review our podcast on iTunes, iPod. Uh, Apple Podcasts, I think Apple is what it's podcast, called. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I podcast now. Yes, Apple Podcasts, um, because we are going to include some of our reviews on an ad for Matchpoint and Grifty. So please do participate in that. We thank you in advance. We have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.